Santosh Sankar is the founding partner of Dynamo Ventures, which is a venture capital firm investing in founders building startups in the supply chain and mobility spaces. Dynamo is equipped to support founders through the seed stage in their effort to transform global trade and commerce. He's also the host of the leading supply chain industry podcast, The Future of Supply Chain, which has published over 100 conversations with founders in and around the supply chain industry. And personally, Santosh has become a good friend of mine, and he's the very first customer of the Herd Pods production service. So during our conversation, we discussed how Santosh has built systems in order to create consistency in publishing content, the compounding effects of content and how he's enjoyed them, and also how he advises his startups to leverage content that closes business. Santosh is one of my favorite people that I get to work with regularly, and I think that came through in our conversation. So please enjoy this episode with Santosh Sankar. Put that content down. Content. For closes on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, welcome back into Content is for Closers. Carlton. We are on episode, what is this? this episode is nine. nine? Yeah. Wow. I mean, once you make it to the big one zero, then <laughs> we know this thing will uh, stay running on its own pretty much. Yeah, that's how it works. Once you hit double digits, it's just a, you you, you enter the club. I think it is like something like 70% of podcasts don't make it past episode eight or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's a very high percentage. Yeah. It's like pod fade, what they refer to as pod fade. Oh, I like that. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so we're about to hit 10. And our, our guest today, as I mentioned in the intro, is Santosh Sankar, who is actually the first customer that we ever uh, produced a podcast for, going back now three years at this point. And we had been doing our show previous to, to that, but then Santosh jumped on board as our first production customer. And so it's only right that uh, as we as we enter this near double digit episode <laughs> Momentous <count>. occasion. <laughs> <laughs> we bring back the OG. Yeah, I think uh, but, he uh, actually just hit his hundredth episode. So, wow! Now that's actually a, a marker of significance. I, I'm pretty sure if you make it to a hundred, you're doing something right. Yeah, and he definitely has been. We'll, we'll get into it in the conversation, but he's been the, not only our first, but the most consistent per, that we work with, and and has seen the benefits of that. But what do you have for us for the uh, the lame game, the icebreaker? Before we get into to Santosh's conversation, yeah, we need to come up with like a combination of those two things, like the I don't know. Something lane about, breaker. yeah, the lane breaker. I like that. Mm -hmm. Not all people that podcast are avid podcast listeners. Right. And I know we've talked about this a little bit when we start creating more, sometimes we stop, stop consuming as much. I guess two questions for you, Adam. One, one is how many podcasts do you think you listen to right now? Man, that's a good, it, it definitely changes, like you just said. So like there's, there, I would say there's times where I'm more in a consuming mode right now would not be one of them. I, I, I probably, I regularly, I like, I don't, I don't miss an episode of my first million because we talk about that regularly, you and I, and then I'll listen to a lot of our show or a lot of the shows that we produce like for quality control stuff. But aside from that, and maybe the pomp podcast here and there. I really don't have a ton of shows that I'm listening to at the moment. What about, I, I know this, <laughs> this is going to be a different answer for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm actually feeling guilty as of late. Cause I, I kind of slowed down too. And okay. I'm about to have like podcast forgiveness day where I just like 
clear out all of the unlistened to podcasts. I just hit like the hundred mark for un, like episodes that are in my queue. Oh I yeah, that about, you haven't listened to. Yeah, I think I think there's like a total of forty shows, something like forty two shows that I'm subscribed to. Yeah, um, and I try to listen to, but there's just no way. I think once I start having one that's like daily, and there's this there's this one that has like purple artwork cover Ours. and uh <laughs> yeah it's just been loading up my queue and i just can't keep up with it no I, i'm referencing uh content is for closers and adam has been just pumping out the content like a madman <laughs> and uh on the daily. daily snacks so if you don't listen to those you're missing out they're just i still listen to them just because i want to hear your voice even though oh wow you know <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> i already know it's coming good. but i it's good Glad to hear it. Okay, that was the first question. What you said you had two. Yeah. So the second one is, what's your favorite podcast out of out of those that you listen to? What's your favorite? Mm. Well, I would say now it's it's my first million. But if I had to go back to my favorite ever, which gives me a lot more options, I, I always go back to the very first show called Startup by Gimlet by Gimlet Media. Yeah. I think that one was the first one that really captured my attention as to like what podcasting could be in and around the business world. I, I had listened to, what was the popular this podcast? American everyone. Life. No, the, the one that uh, about Adnan Sayed. Oh yes. Serial. Yeah. I, I had gotten into it through that, but, but startup really kind of showed me like, Oh, okay. This is how this can work as a documentary and as a marketing tool and all those things. So that that's my favorite all time. What about you? Yeah. So that's a hard question, but I, I love my first million too. If you haven't listened to it and you're into business, that's like a incredible show. It's different format yeah. than, than most. So I do like that. I think probably, yeah, I would say my, my equal favorite or the one that I'm surprised by the most is a podcast called Econ Talk with Russ Roberts. He's kind of not, not a super famous economist, but famous enough and well-known in his field. Um, but he just has interesting conversations. The tagline for it is conversations for the curious. And mm -hmm. uh, he just does a great job being engaged with his guests. He has a variety of different viewpoints on there. Uh, he does a good job of talking to them in a way that's like argumentative, but not combat. Mm -hmm. So he, he'll have different people that are authors. It's not all about econ, but yeah, I, I surprisingly like uh, a few different economists podcast. So that that's kind of like a weird niche for me that I, I found I enjoy. Yeah. I think that's what makes Santosh's show and, and he gets into it, but so unique and, and dynamic, I guess, is that it, it's not just a freight podcast. It's not just a venture capital podcast of which individually there's a ton of those that exist out there, but it, he does bring in the economic components of freight. He does bring in obviously venture capital because that's what he does on a daily basis, but he's constantly talking about tech and robotics and all of these different industry elements that ultimately impact his show and being able to pull on all those threads and sort of be a polymath like he has, yeah. has allowed him to create a hundred episodes and, and have the compounding effects that, that that's given him so far. And he really genuinely, genuinely is curious. He's yeah. interested in what the companies are doing and how they're advancing and moving forward. So he starts talking a little bit about his history and, and what Dynamo is, but then he gets pretty quickly into the power of story in, in content and what that looks like for the stakeholders or what that means to the stakeholders. And then going from that to the compounding value of content creation, he's got a good, good amount of experience there. So he talks about that and then kind of finishes up with, if you're somebody who's trying to get started, what are some good ways to get started by starting small and owning your content? 
Cool. Well, let's get to it with Santosh Sankar from Dynamo Ventures. All right, we've got Santosh Sankar here on the show from Dynamo Ventures. Thanks for joining us, Santosh. Awesome to be here. Thanks for uh, including me here. Of course. We, I don't, in some ways, we might not be here were it not for Santosh. I left VaynerMedia, partnered with Derek, and one of the first meetings we were able to get somehow was, was with you. Pretty, This is probably like four and a half years ago now. And I bounced ideas around what's the different content we can do. And ultimately, you ended up becoming our first podcast customer. So huge, huge thanks to you for, for all your support over the years, obviously. And, and, and also want to talk to you about what you've built through your different content streams over the years with Dynamo. Yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll kind of echo that and say, we wouldn't be here as a podcast if it wasn't for you, right? And, and, and ultimately, while people come and say, you're the voice, Santosh, of the future supply chain. No, I appreciate chain, it. Uh, you're really the the brain and the ideation behind it, right? And a lot a, a lot of people laugh, but I'm not a huge podcast consumer. I, I consume here and there, but there's irony behind that because every week I'm good to send you at least one recording, so we can kind of spread the word and and, and kind of build upon this vision of future supply chain. Yeah. So, okay. I want to, I want to maybe take a step back and dig into that for a second. So just to give some quick context, maybe tell us what is the future of supply chain? Why, why did you kind of start it? And, and yeah, just that process. What are the other content fingers you have going through, through the internet? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take one step back further. So People have some baseline, but myself, I have a couple other partners and we are investing in seed stage supply chain technology businesses, simply put. So we're usually one of the first investors that a founding team raises from. And our job is to be on this journey with the founding team in order to execute on their vision and ultimately realize their vision of building a industry defining business. And as investors, obviously, that means that we're able to ultimately be party to companies that ultimately are valued at a billion dollars or more. And sometimes people define VC as uh, a particular type of jet fuel. But with that around your question around content, we started this whole, or, or rather we ended up creating our fund before this whole trend of move from the valley operate remotely, invest away from the uh, Valley movement started, right? That it's more of an 18 month phenomena. And I think it's kind of starting to, to dwindle or at least to talk of it. But when we showed up in 2016, we're a group of guys in Chattanooga, Tennessee, telling people that we're going to do West Coast style venture investing, but just in supply chain, what we knew and believed we could add value in. So it's very important to actually think about your brand about how you elevate your brand, but equally, how do you elevate what you're actually focused on supply chain? So early on, we instantiated social media, can't say we were great at it or regimented behind it. We had a newsletter, equally can't say we had good discipline around it back then. We had a blog, God knows what was on that blog. It's certainly not what it is today. And I mean, we didn't even think about podcasting, right? Like I did not think about podcasts probably till a couple years after we even started the firm when we had a series of, of conversations, Adam. But today 
We have a weekly podcast, The Future Supply Chain, where we bring founders, corporate executives, investors interested in the space or operating the space to practically talk about what's happening, but putting the lens of technology around supply chain, right? A part of the economy, it's 10% of the economy, right? So it kind of makes sense. You have content, you have podcasts, and you have journalism outlets, blogs devoted to it. But we have a, a weekly newsletter that we put out that we're known for as well. We have a blog that you'll see us post some of our research and findings uh, onto. And then we run an event every year called Founders Camp here in Chattanooga as well to get a little bit of that in-person stuff happening. Yeah, very cool. And a few things just to touch on from that, I think. First of all, when you're talking about the the trend line of moving out of the valley, moving out of New York City, whatever, we should say that that wasn't like a that was a talking point for you all because it's authentic to who you are, right? Like you, you all decided, yes, we're going to do this in Chattanooga. Yes, we're going to do supply chain because you had unfair advantages there, not just because of predicting a, a, a remote work trend. And the reason I, I point that out is I think that you were early to some of the content things that you all have done in comparison to a lot of, I mean, a lot of VCs have started podcast newsletters over the last 18, 36 months. You all were uh, a year and a half, two years ahead of them because of that different way of thinking, being in a different place, having to get your voice out there. Would you say that's fair? Like that was, that's probably part of your, your evolution there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we all for, for, for some sense of the word, have a chip on our shoulder have visions maybe bigger than what might be reasonable or rational, if I could make that statement. And that requires us to be creative and use tools that might not be ordered in, in order to gain an advantage or gain an edge or solve a problem. And like equally, and, and Adam, you've heard some of this, right? Like we've toured the idea, like, should we be starting a YouTube channel? Even though that's not novel, there are VCs that do it. Should we be on TikTok? which might not be my forte, but I know Rachel, who is kind of due to be a, a part of this series, she's spent time with yes. Dynamo. Like that's something Rachel is awesome with. But I, I think her title, her self-given title is Chief Meme Lord at Dynamo, which I really appreciate. <laughs> Just as an aside. If, if she's the Chief Meme Lord, I'm probably the squire of GIFs. If you're, if you're <laughs> sitting in WhatsApp with me, I'm probably just sending you a GIF and it's like, what are you doing? It doesn't answer my question. <laughs> But <laughs> this is another another one another short video of Sam, uh, what's his name Saquon Barkley in the end zone Santosh. This is another video that we're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, that's right. I, I mean, like I, I think it was like last night one of our CTOs tweeted something about starting his quarterly planning, and I just sent him a, a, a nice little cute animation of a rabbit eating some carrots because <laughs> I thought it was heartwarming and and equally everything they've branded their business around has to do with rabbits. So, yep. but. Content has been super important to us, Adam. And I think the, the one thing that if we look back in history that successful people have done and it, perhaps like in, in around politics that perhaps like tyrants have done, but equally those leaders who have really earned the trust and the support of their constituencies have done is how are you able to articulate a story? And how are you able to remind those around you and your constituents and your stakeholders of that story and the key points of that story, right? I think that's important and that's important to continue to repeat. You can never be too old to repeat what you stand for 
your brand, your values, your principles, how you go about doing work, right? Yeah. And then equally, there's a layer below that, that there's opportunity if you do content the right way to show why you're excellent or perhaps advantaged in what you do relative to competitors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two things there that are important that you just said. And the first one is you all are not thinking and you never have thought of the podcast as some way to tout uh, a dynamo first perspective on the world or a, uh, a here, look at us. This is why you should work with us. It's always been uh, really your end customer who, who in this case, I think you would say is the startups, right? Or your end, your end consumer to some degree. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I can say at this point, increasingly, because there's not a week that doesn't go by where a couple founders don't say, love the podcast. Oh, this is what you look like. I've always heard you, but I, I've never thought of yeah, what you look like. It's funny. And yeah, I would say like it's, it's startups. You see a lot of investors as well when they want to spin up and get smart on an idea, queuing to podcasts. And then uh, increasingly kind of corporates who just want to know, hey, like, what do I need to stay on top of for myself to be competitive in my role? But equally, if I'm competitive in my role, that means my organization is being competitive in order to drive outcomes, whatever those might be. Right, right. So all of your storytelling and all of the things that you, you, you were just talking about repeating go back to that lens, right? Does it serve the, these three audiences? Is it something that's going to add value to them? I think that's really important because so much of the time, especially newer podcasts or forget podcasts, content creation series, et cetera, mm-hmm. get caught in like what I want to say. And, and you know, like venture capitalists are known for this, right? T- talk, talking and philosophizing or whatever, just giving out their opinions. And what you've done is sort of flipped that on its head and, and allowed the target, the customer to provide you with not only content, but like real life insights on what they're struggling with, the trend lines, what's coming out in terms of innovation. And then you're able to share that in, in the form of your, your interview. So I think that's really uh, unique to, to the approach that you all have taken. One question I have for you is you've been doing it now for several years. I went back just in preparation for our conversation was looking at some of the early episodes yeah. and the show's changed a lot. Like it, even in just in the good ways, it's matured, it's, it's, it's advanced. We have, I mean, this is an aside, but we have some new episode types coming soon or, or probably they're out at this point. So you, you've done a lot of evolving over the last several years. What would you say is the biggest lesson or, or takeaway you've had? And I should note now it's probably once a month or once every other month we're getting, you're, you're forwarding me a note or I'm getting a note that, oh, Future of Supply Chain has been included in yeah. the best of supply chain podcast, top 20 months. So other people are taking note of something you're doing right. What, what would you take away as uh, one of those lessons? I think the, 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 there's a few things. I don't know if I could give it to you as, as one thing, but I think the most important sure. thing, and we see this in our portfolio when we talk about content marketing, raising awareness, is that this is a slow and steady long-term game, right? Content, the value content on your business compounds, but it compounds on the back of consistency. If you're not consistent, you do not compound the value that content can create. And I, I'd be just, frankly, I was naive to it. I didn't know. 
And I remember calling you. I was like, hey, like I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. And what you have to do is you just you have to grind through it. And you're going to have some interviews that are better than others. You're going to have some blog posts that are better than others. You're going to write a lot of things that you will, they'll never see the light of day. And it'll feel like it's a waste of time, energy, and effort. Equally, you'll have podcast guests that flake on you. You might have PR groups that say, no, we can't say that. And then you're like, well, that's like the good part of the interview or half the interview. Kabosh. That's okay. You, you have to persevere. You have to move through that because ultimately if you take this whole concept of content and content marketing as something that's a quick game, that's not what this is. You want quick games, go buy Facebook ads, dude. Like it's like, that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. This is something that's sustainable long-term and you can compound your brand, your customer recognition, your value add in and around. And people should really understand that going in. And embrace that when you're in the moment. Yeah, it, it's so hard. I mean, I, you, you mentioned all of those examples of when things can go wrong. There, there's times where we've recorded episodes that yeah. never saw the light of day because they just didn't hit or didn't. And that's frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's especially frustrating when there's not enough, there's not necessarily like we need to air an episode Friday. It's Tuesday. We did it. We had a recording schedule. It just didn't go stuff like that, that you have to work through. But I totally agree with you. I just tweeted this morning. You, you can, you can fail in a week with a new content series, but you won't know if it's successful to your objective, in my opinion, for at least a year and yeah. a half. I think 18 months is kind of like the start of you being able to look back and say, are we progressing where we want to, you know, head towards, are we getting the, the benefit out of it that we want? And that's a long time. That's not, to your point, if you're looking for a direct response, it's, it's definitely not the channel for no. that. But as you build it, it's now, it's now yours. It's owned. It's a foundation that you entirely get to appreciate the benefit from. And Facebook can change their remarketing algorithm. Twitter can decide not to show new tweets, whatever. And it doesn't really affect your conversation with your, with your stakeholders. No, but, but, but equally, right? Like when you think about uh, kind of organic social engagement, you actually have a piece of content that is its own channel to some degree when you think about podcasts, but also when you think about podcasts and written, and maybe there's graphical content, video content that has double value. Mm. And you could argue that has a triple value because it has value today, but it has value on a uh, multiplicity of channels. And then you might actually say, as the world happens and stuff occurs, you can actually bring a lot of that content back. Right. And that's where, yeah. Um, being kind of short-sighted about it and say it's only good for a week or if we don't see results in a month. No, 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 no. Right? Like do it for the long run. Yeah, that's a great point. In your action. Yeah, you all, this is something that you unique, uniquely do very well. Use, I think, re-airs more effectively than any other show we work with. And when I talk about that, it's Santosh's audience is consistently growing, thankfully. Uh, year over year, you're, you're getting bigger and bigger, bigger platform, more awareness, more, more companies and entrepreneurs are, are being introduced to the future of supply chain. And so just organically, there are episodes those people who are new have never heard. Right, they're they're two years yeah. old, but they're still relevant pieces. They're still, the, the, especially the way that you all talk in the style of your show. They're still timely in nature. 
they just haven't been exposed to them before. So bringing them back in as a second episode or a bonus episode or whatever you do during a gap week and introducing them to your new parts of your audience is something that a lot of people just don't see the advantage. They don't take the advantage of doing that because it takes a little bit of thought <laughs> to, to do it. But, uh, but yeah, totally agree that you, the, the evergreen nature of long form is something you can't really buy or, or replace. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as one stands these things up and can develop a routine or a process around it, the thing that I've come to find is you have to approach each conversation as much as it's a show, if you can exercise genuine curiosity behind what your guest is a unfair expert in and around, that'll kind of show up in how you're mm -hmm. preparing questions or topics you want to walk through, being an active listener, right? Being kind of present, which I'm not the best at, but if I've done the right prep and, and I'm present with the guests, it's like also like, it's just like a, a talk and it's almost like we're friends and we just happen to have this mic in front of us. Right. And ultimately right. the audience benefits from that. Yeah. And I, I just had one this morning, just had one this morning with our CEO of the, our first unicorn investment. And it was just, it, it was like butter, <laughs> but it's also, I took the time on Sunday, 30 minutes Right. And I was like, what, what have they done? Where should I push? Where I know, where will I know there'll be an openness to the talk? And it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And it'll be aired soon. See, but that, that's what's, again, you're putting in that effort. So many people show up, turn on the camera, turn on the recorder, whatever, and just kind of expect it to happen. You, this is a, you're, so you're saying this is a company you've invested in that you have on? Yeah, it was, it, it was David at Sender and Sender earlier this year bought Uber Freight Europe. Subsequent to that, they're valued at a billion dollars. And we're the seed, one of the seed investors about three, four years wow. ago. And it was just great to hear him tell the sure. story, right? But yeah, to your point, right? It's putting in the time, being long-term, being consistent about it. But you have to have the right partners. Yeah. And we've had portfolio companies who I think get pieces of that. But then they're like, oh, and then we're going to edit it ourselves. And I was like, don't go edit it yourself. because You're going to spend the time and energy. It's worth some of that incremental cost to get somebody who just all they do is edit yeah, audio. Yeah. Obviously, right? I'm biased All there, they but do yes. is – but, 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 but equally, it's like get somebody who will also once a month sit down with you and say, like, mm. let's talk strategy. Like, why are you going after those guests? You feel like you've stalled out on good guests. Have you really? Have you tried these tactics? Holds you accountable, right? Accountability is something that I think everybody could benefit from. And every part of your routine or your day or function could benefit from some additional accountability. And that's where there, there's value in, in, in that. And, oh. and equally, what, a couple of weeks ago, you guys kicked me and you're like, you've, you've run out of backlog. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, crap. Like. I have run out of backlog. <laughs> I was running around and I was getting uh, recording right. scheduled. Yeah, I think I, something that I've seen, and it's 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 sort of that blessing and, and curse, right? Where the thing that makes so many startups, I'm sure you see it, so successful is they can and they do figure out everything that's in between them and whatever their stated goal is. 
So as a founder of that company, you might end up writing code. You might end up doing customer support. You're going to do sales, no doubt about it, et cetera. Uh, and so when it comes to things like a, a longer form brand building exercise, the gut is I can do it. I, I, I'm going to figure it out. I, and, and truth be known, they would be able to figure it out if they had the amount of time that, that someone else could spend. The issue is and you know this, content is so competitive right today. Like we spend most of our time, most of our work time and most of our leisure time in front of a screen of some kind or plugged into headphones of some kind. And so every brand from venture capitalists to retail to CPG to B2B to trucking to whatever has now decided, okay, we need to be there. We need to be present. And so if you as a founder, this is obviously, again, preaching to the choir, but are, are just trying to sort of half halfway do it or have it as a side project, you just can't compete with someone who has decided to invest, someone who like you has put in years of, of effort at this point, like it, your content is never going to reach those levels. And I think that that to me is the biggest thing for someone who thinks like that is like the the unfair bet is you're going to put in time now and there's a good chance you fail or you just pay and the upside is like massive success. So that that's just something that I think individuals have to work through. Yeah. But what, what would you say to whether it be startups or, or, or not portfolio companies, other, other companies that you come across, let's say that, let's say they don't have the last four years of backlog that, that you have on your show. And so they're trying to decide how they can get their brand out today. What's your, what's your advice to them? How, how are you giving them counsel when it comes to that? Yeah. So the thing you'll hear me personally say when a startup says, I think we're ready to go engage uh, a marketing agency or make our first marketing hire. I'll look at them and I'll say, so who are we going after? Who's our audience? And we'll kind of go through the motions and they'll say, okay, what's the purpose of reaching to the reaching out to this audience? Right? So perhaps it's customers. So you want to drive sales. Maybe you want to start a blog about your culture and how things are going in your company in general, because you want to get to prospective employees, right? Or maybe you want to create general awareness because you want investors, customers, and employees to know who you are, what you're up to, how great you are. Right, so it's understanding the audience and the reason, but then you go to, okay, so why, why do you want to go to an agency or why do you want to make a marketing hire? And a lot of times it's so, well, like, they'll kind of just figure it out. It's like, well, what if I told you like simplistically, just go hire a copywriter. That's just the first thing. First step. You don't, you haven't done anything. First step, copywriting. The second thing to be mindful of is where are you on the journey, right? So are you so early that there's not enough substance there to your story to go actually meaningful, meaningfully start investment in and around marketing, be it larger or small, right? It's still time and mind share that a founder needs to go allocate, even if it's a copywriter practically writing copy around what you know. Yeah. yeah. And oftentimes what we lean towards is unless you're a repeat founding team, which there's usually a narrative there you can lean on, and that's to raise general awareness, heighten awareness of prospective employees and customers, is to actually like go do some hand-to-hand -hand combat in the trenches, get some customers, 
And let's talk about how awesome your customers are because they are your customers, right? And right. I think, I forget who told me, but I think it was like, it's an age old Madison app tactic around advertising. Talk about your customers and therefore you benefit. But mm-hmm. that actually is really easy fodder. Cause again, remember there's a copywriter. So do you do a case study, get the rights to a case study? Could you put that on your blog? Maybe you start reaching out to outlets and blogs that your industry stakeholders read. And when I say stakeholders, it goes back to the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And start to push that through. That doesn't take, that doesn't need an agency. It doesn't need a CMO or director of marketing. It just requires you to spend a little bit of time with a copywriter and having something substantial to go say to the world. And yeah. And, and where we end up kind of taking that over time is, okay, like what are the pieces of content? And I think you said this personally, Adam, that you can own, right? Like what is your owned content? And we end up kind of strategizing around what are repeatable, scalable things. So a lot of our portfolio might have data points that they're privy to because there is anonymized data going through their system, number of API calls. But what do you have that nobody else has? But it's very, very easy where every month you could almost post something about it. Maybe you have a content partnership with an industry trade publication. Or maybe at some point you have enough customers. And with this data and insight, you go create a podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's an evolution. It, it's an evolution, but I love where you started, which is writing things down, essentially, <laughs> was, your, was your advice, whether whether the founder does that or I love the idea of hiring a copywriter because, first of all, people, I, I, and it's, it's easy to forget, but all marketing begins, all good marketing begins with a written story. I mean, the, the art of writing is the most important asset to a marketing plan. Again, I'm biased. I'm not a designer. I, 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 my roots are in writing. So maybe there's some, some, some argument to be had there, but writing and being able to t- craft a story firstly is, is the most important thing in a marketing scheme. But the second thing is when you get someone, like you said, to come in and simply document even if it is just literally documenting your thoughts in a cogent way, the value that that has is that when you do hire a marketing agency, you do bring in your first hire, they have something to manipulate. They have, they have bullets in the chamber to spend. And I'll give you a perfect example. We have struggled for four years essentially to really put together a comprehensive plan around our own content, around our own marketing plan, because when we come into a different company, they're handing us the bullets right now. We're, we know where to put them. We know how to fire the gun. They don't know how to lo- reload all these things, but they're handing us the bullets. We're helping craft the, the message and, and, and whatever, send it out. But when you have to actually sit down and say, what is our message? Why is that our message? To your point, who is our audience? What is the story we want to tell them? Uh, a lot of agency struggles with this because it's difficult to, to spend the time on your own work when you're working on other clients. But is, as a founder, as a startup, if you don't have the answers to those questions, then 
people can come spend all the money that you have from your from your raise on ad campaigns. People can come set you up with the greatest technology and all this remarketing. And at the end of the day, you don't own any of it. A, a, a short, small algorithm change, or at this point, policy change, can completely make that irrelevant. And and then you're 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 left there with less money and and no real marketing uh, prowess to show for it. So to- totally agree. I think that's great advice. And a lot of the paid spend really is more effective if you already have an organic content strategy and capability, right? Because it, it ultimately can can sit on that foundation. And as you, over the course of your business or course of a year, throttle it up, throttle it back for whatever reasons, you still have a solid foundation. And that's oftentimes lost on people where like investors don't just want to see sales. They they want to know how you get, get those sales. And those that are getting it through content marketing ultimately get the benefit of those that are just saying, well, we just buy yeah. them. We yep. buy our leads or we just spend money and revenue falls from the sky. It just the margins don't stand up over time. Great. Well, Sanosh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. I feel like we got into the mind of of how a VC thinks about content, and, and maybe if there is a startup or entrepreneur listening, this is these are the types of questions that your potential investor is going to ask you. These is this is how they're thinking about whether you might be a good investment or not. So, super helpful uh, advice from you. If people want to keep up with what you're doing with the show, or just some of the uh, you publish a ton of content, what's the best place for them to to check all of that out? Dynamo.vc, you'll see newsletter, our blog, our podcast there. Equally follow us on Twitter at This Is Dynamo. We have Rachel, uh, who I mentioned before, who does an amazing job uh, keeping everyone engaged. So check us out. Feel free to shoot us an email equally as well. All right, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Thanks so much, Santosh, for, for, for joining the show. And hopefully that was helpful to all of you who are listening. Carlton, what was that? You, you obviously heard the episode. What was one of the top takeaways for you and something that we can apply even for this show? Thinking about the content um, that he produced over a long time, having a compounding value, and even when it's hard and not necessarily getting hung up on all those little bumps in the as you're making your content and just going going ahead and keep publishing and uh, stay on schedule. And he's really done that extremely well over the last few years, even mm-hmm. sometimes when that means publishing a re-air. I think that's like a, a good method that he's used to repurpose some of that content that was recorded maybe a year or two ago, but is still somewhat evergreen. And so reusing your content and and really just sticking with that schedule so that it has that compounding interest over time. Yeah. I mean, he really is the perfect example of when we started that show, there was very few people listening to it. And he was totally fine with that. I mean, he was more interested in the conversations and the relationships developed through through the show itself than he was what size audience. And I think that sort of blind, having those blinders on and that focus has allowed him to actually build a significant audience now where it's a competitive advantage for them as a venture capital firm, because they can tell their founders, we have this audience in the niche that we can extend and, and, and use and leverage on your behalf. So pretty cool to, to see that. And uh, yeah, again, appreciate so much, Santosh, you coming on the show. Okay, to wrap up this episode, Carlton, we always tell people something that we've heard this week have that they need to be aware of. So what have you heard that you want to share with the, the folks? 
So I've been a long time Audible uh, subscriber. So it's probably gone on like eight or nine years. Like I started listening to audiobooks and podcasts about the same time, about 10 years ago. And the the thing with Audible is it is a paid subscription, but they give you a free book every month. Okay. So you're, you're pretty much just paying for a single book, which is that $15 mark for the subscription, $15 a month. So uh, pretty early on, I realized like they also give you a discount on all the other books. So it's like a 10% or 15% discount. And then they'll do these other things where they'll, they'll toss in some books for like $4.99 or $3.99, or they'll show you different options that are, are more affordable. So at the beginning- Which if I could just interject on that, yeah. they don't necessarily highlight that though. That, yeah, that was the part don't. that I didn't know. Yeah. So like if you have an Audible subscription, you get 10% off and you get all these deals Carlton is talking about. But because of the credit system, you're not always aware of that. Okay, continue. Yeah. So at the very beginning of this, the app that when you'd use the app, they would say, you cannot purchase a book on this app. You have to go to their website to do that. And then it would add to to your account. So those of you who have maybe used Audible for a while might know this, but um, because of the in-app purchase structure that Apple has, you can make purchases inside of an app without Apple getting a 30% of that that cut. So essentially right. by Audible having this credit system, they can get around where you can just make that that purchase of the credit because it's not money. So you're just mm. essentially redeeming that credit that's already in your account through the app. But when it comes to actually purchasing something, you wouldn't see that it's only $4. So if you're using your $15 credit to buy this $4 book, you're wasting money. So essentially what I would do is I would take the Audible, like the shop Audible uh, website and just save it on my home screen like an app and that way it had the two next to each other so i'd always shop in one and when it came to a title that was only ten dollars or four dollars or whatever i would buy it without using my credit and and then only spend my credit on books that were above fifteen dollars like if it was a 20 or 30 dollar book then it would make more sense so that's my meanwhile i've been very dumbly spending my money. <laughs> Who knows how many $4 books I've paid yeah. basically $20 for. I mean, yeah. All of your main titles are probably going to be, you know, in that 15 to $20 mark. So right. it's, it's like the lesser known things and like the odd weird books that I'll, I'll download and listen to. But I will no, say it's a great hack. Like as my podcast listening has gone up, my audible, audible listening has gone down. I think I've got like two credits in the bank right now. That's interesting. I think mine is the inverse. I mean, those are probably the same levers, but I've, my podcast listening, my podcast listening has gone down and, uh, I've, pretty much always listening to somewhere along the journey of listening to a book. My Have You Heard is a little different. So uh, this week I got a little bit infatuated by a Twitter thread that I saw by a venture capitalist named Samuel Thompson. He's, he's at I'm Sam Thompson, CEO of Proven VC. And he, over the weekend, built a product in 24 hours and kind of captured his, his journey doing so. And I just thought this was fascinating because all of the things that he did He's not technical. So so all the things that he did were things that I could figure out how to do. And so tried it and put out my own version. Now, mine's not nearly as good as his. Our, our, what did he uh, build? Product. He built an online counselor, basically, oh, okay. that you can text. So if you don't want to go to a full psychiatrist or, or counselor, you can text this. I think it was called Casey and uh, Casey.io and have a, have a conversation with basically a counselee friend. So it's not a full. And uh, so did he so, use like a counselor API or something? No, he, <laughs> he, that, that's what I that was the trigger that actually like 
pushed me to do it is yeah. it was pretty manual once okay. you got past the front front end. So you're of like the site. setting it up in a day. Yeah, you're setting it up in a day and make like sort of validating whether or not there's interest, and then you can always figure out if you need to scale and automate in the future. And I was like, why have why wouldn't I do that? So I did the same thing. Really interesting exercise. I just felt like it was good to test and like learn new skills and and do all of that. And uh, and it was fun. I mean, it, it was something fun to to push out. So I challenge anybody who's listening check check out his tweet thread. I will uh, put it in the show notes and uh, and maybe try to try your hand at building something over a day or a couple of days and see what you can come up with. There we go. Love it. Cool. Well, another great episode again. Thank you to Santosh. Thank you to all of you who are listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode with Maribel Lara from the Sasha Group. And until then, we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.